Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. This is a podcast where I talk to people who encourage us to get out of our comfort zones with the cool stuff they do and through their ideas. They show us that it's okay to push into those uncomfortable areas. Today's episode 24, and I'm chatting with Lynn Patterson, aka Red. So I'm deep in my master's project at the moment, with two weeks to go, which is really its own kind of uncomfortable. So it was nice to take time to have a bit of a chat and live some adventures vicariously through my conversation with Lynn. Lynn had a spark of an idea sitting in her head for years, which slowly built to setting off on an epic journey on what turns out was my birthday last year. Lynn's idea and the journey she's coming up on finishing is to kayak around New Zealand. Now, the challenge hasn't just been since she set off on the journey. We also chat about the challenges that Lynn had to go through to even get to the point where she could wave see you later to Takapuna Beach. This journey isn't just about Lynn. Its main purpose is to create a massive wave of support and increase awareness for depression, with a focus on the mothers, the fathers, the lovers, the brothers and sisters who are all affected by this dark oppressive cloud that so many have to carry on their shoulders. Lynn wants to inspire and encourage people to set themselves goals and get out there every day, doing something physical and fun, no matter how big or small. It really is the best medicine. This journey is an example of how something momentous can be broken down into achievable segments. And Lynn shares with us today why this is important to her. So thanks for tuning in today. Whether you're new to the podcast or coming back for more, make sure you share out Lynn's journey to help her get her message out. Thanks for getting uncomfortable with us today. So Lynn, welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. Thanks for uh, sharing your time with me tonight. Um, thanks for the invite. Um, it's, it's, it's great to be um, talking to you. Cool. So Lynn, whereabouts in the country are you at the moment? <laughs> um, we're just north of um, New Plymouth at the moment because the uh, the weather's turn, turning or and getting worse and so... When it's like that, I, I tend to use the opportunity to go further up the coastline where I'm due to paddle and try and um, look at uh, landing locations, uh, try and find sweet spots to get in and out of um, when, when, we're, when I'm heading up the coastline a little bit later. So I tend to sort of try not to stay exactly where I'm I've just landed just because I've become like a caged tiger and I um, need to get out and about. So kind of like a, a reconnaissance day, but also a movement day for you. 
I I suppose we should let people know that you are currently kayaking around New Zealand, and we're gonna we're gonna get into uh, that story a little bit later on, and and kind of really have a good good chat about some of the experiences that you've had on it and what you've what you've learned. But Lynn, can you can you tell us a little bit about your life uh, before going on this on this epic journey? Who was who was Lynn before? you started this kind of odyssey? Um, who was Lynn? I've, I've had many lives. Um, so so the, the me before I started this was someone who had, had dreamt of, of kayaking around New Zealand coastline for close to 20 years, but every time I mentioned I wanted to do it, um, there was a lot of cold water and comments saying, you're crazy, you're mad, and... So you tend to pull that dream back inside yourself because, you know, too many negatives just sort of wears you down a little bit. Before uh, taking off on this journey, I'd spend a long time in um, events and uh, event management and catering and hospitality. So I was always in a very um, busy, deadline-driven kind of world uh, for the past 10, 20 years really in, in different different jobs around um, the in Auckland um, and my final job I was working with a company who designed and built um, exhibition stands so I was a project manager and also helped with all of their finances within the company as a financial controller so I've had a really varied life but always things that were critically deadlined if you'd like you know it had to be ready by 9am or the guests were arriving at seven o'clock in the evening and everything had to be perfect and on on time so a very pressurized busy kind of life mm, mm, yeah and i i understand with that with the kind of the the timeline drivers with that stuff as well that it is you can just kind of go 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 and when when one deadline finishes all of a sudden there's another one there in front of you as well which kind of yeah, just just makes you kind of keep pushing and pushing. And um, one thing that I wanted to to ask, Lynn, um, you talked a little bit earlier about kind of when you'd broached the idea of kayaking around New Zealand, uh, the negative comments that you got from other people. Did you have a little bit of kind of negative internal chatter going on as well? So kind of those those doubts that started springing up in your head too. I um I wished I had that my that microchip in my brain because the more unfortunately for me or unfortunately for others really the, the every time someone says you can't do something from a very young age <laughs> I have to do it and the next time they say you can't do it it just um, magnifies more that you really want to do it so I I, I think if someone had actually said to me. Oh, that would be really easy. I don't even know why you bother doing it because, you know, a million other people have done it. It probably would have been my saving grace. <laughs> I wouldn't have been out here, like, you know, beating myself up on the ocean. Um, so, no, it, it, as I say, I'm the, unfortunately, the opposite. When someone says a negative, it's like, oh, okay, well, no, 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 I'm going to do that. You know, it's like, oh, no, you can't run a marathon. No, you can't. Oh yes, I can. So I'll do that, and then you can't swim across the ocean, um, or do the ocean swims. Oh yeah, 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 I can do that. Um, yeah. So it, it was the opposite effect, unfortunately. With that, Lynn, obviously the the kayaking you were saying is something that you'd always kind of wanted to do. Um, with the 
kind of I assume that you've done marathons and ocean swims as using them as examples is that something that you would wanted to do or is that something that you just ended up doing because people said that you couldn't they were sort of uh well you know you you, you're in a group of people and people are talking about doing this or that and sometimes things spark in your mind go i wouldn't mind doing that so that would be the the reason you do a mat I would I would do a marathon was because so you know someone else would be talking I'd think oh well I uh, yeah yeah I wouldn't mind doing a marathon so I I I do a marathon or or two or three and then finish that and go oh okay um what next so I've always wanted or had things that I I wanted to do next but this one this one sat in my in my brain for a long time um, and my classic is that every time you get to a new year and you're doing your summer barbecues and everybody's sort of on their summer break and you're all moaning about oh I hate my job and I hate my life and it's too busy and I need a I need a break and then of course everybody else goes so what would you like to do um, you know what's your dream and mine used to be that you know that the silence used to reign around the table and I used to go oh, well I'd like to kayak around New Zealand and you know that used to be my saying every every summer, and no one would believe me. And they go, "You're nuts, you're crazy." And I go, "Well, you know, I'm like not normal, so that's why I want to do it." So even my friends thought I was, you know, pretty pretty nuts, and it became a sort of a, a standard joke every summer barbecue. Was oh, so then it became, "When are you going to kayak around New Zealand? Have you set a date?" And then one year they all sort of had to be quiet and choke on their uh, mouthful of food because they said, yeah, I have set a date actually. I'm um, going, you know, 27th of October 2015. Um, and and then it, then it all sort of started because you set a date and you've got to go. Um, yeah, so that, that's what happened really. Fantastic. That's a great day as well. That's actually my birthday. So good on you for starting on that day. <laughs> it was a good day actually it was it was a great day it was a, a good good day to set off and um and no turning back so lynn have have other people kayaked around new zealand before you or how did this idea kind of come into into being how did what what sparked it i was sitting in a car pulling out from a group of, or a couple of people push biking around the Coromandel coastline and you know when you see them on their push bike and they've got all their pannier bags and I looked across at the person driving and said that would be amazing to do that and they sort of looked back at me and gave me the, the sideways glance of you are nuts in fact they were sort of explicitly bleep 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 don't be so ridiculous and I was like oh yeah, no, I suppose there's too many hills really no, there are a heck of a lot of hills after doing a bit of running, you sort of realise that, no, that wouldn't be such a great idea. And I looked out across the coast, and we were coming up to this really big hill, and I looked down, and I loved the ocean, and I said, that would be cool. <laughs> you could kayak around New Zealand, be no hills there. <laughs> and I got even a bigger explicit comment back. <laughs> that, and that started the, you were totally bleep, bleep, bleep crazy now. And I said, no, that would be really cool. Look at it down there. It's amazing. And that's where the spark started. And I don't know why it never went away. It never, ever went away. I always wanted to do it from from that moment on. It was like, you know, I, I don't want to climb um, Everest. 
it doesn't rock my world at all, but a lot of other people wanted to do it. So, um, yeah, so I, I wanted to kayak around our coastline. Imagining most of it would be like Coromandel. <laughs> <laughs> After a few attempts of being out at Murawai, practicing many years later, um, I did realize that, uh, no, it wasn't going to be that pretty. Um, well, as in the water wasn't going to be that pretty in the waves. So um, it has changed. Um, have other people done it? Yes, other people have done it. I'm, I'm not the first. Uh, there's a wonderful gentleman called Paul Caffin, uh, who lives in the west coast of the South Island. He was, he was the first. Uh, he's done South Island, Stewart Island, and the North Island. Um, also have done many other countries as well. And there's a gentleman called Tim Taylor. He has circumnavigated the, um, the country as well. Lovely lady called, um, Tara, uh, Mulvey. She's uh, circumnavigated the, all the three islands as well. So no, I'm I'm definitely not the first. I'll probably be the oldest, but um, not not the first. I think you made an interesting point before as well about that that spark that just kind of doesn't go away and it just kind of sort of gnaws at you. And what sometimes I find that it, it kind of goes to the back of your mind for a couple of weeks, and then something will happen and it'll pop back up and it's kind of just there saying, hey, listen to me. I'm not going to go away until you actually do something about me. Ah, uh, yep. And so, Lynn, that that was a few years ago that that kind of spark started and then you just kind of, it had just been kind of fermenting there in, your, in the back of your mind for a while. What were the kind of steps that led you up to saying, "Hey, actually, this is this is the time. This is me now. I'm going to go and and do this." Um, what were the steps? It it sort of took a, a little while because when you're busy and you're working and you've got um, you know, you're bringing up children and you have your mortgage and your job, your years just sort of roll by. I think it sort of got to the fact, well, you sort of hit the age of 40 and you go, holy crap, I'm now 40, oh no, 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 it's not that bad. And then the, and then it keeps speeding up. And I sort of started to say I wanted to do it by the time I was 50 because everybody gets to the, the, the golden age of 5-0 and, and starts to like have the massive panic attack apparently. So I said, well, I was going to be on the water for my 50th birthday, I'd be, I'd be leaving that year. Well, that sort of came and went, and by that stage, I'd let my employer know that I had this crazy dream, who he thought, he also um, thought it was a crazy great idea as well, and continually every year said, so, well, you've just, you've turned 50, so when are you paddling? <laughs> and, and so I I sort of put it on hold for a little while then because my um my son was sort of getting into the adolescent stage and, and needed me around a little bit because he was um finding being an adolescent quite difficult and, and challenging. So I felt it there was a need for me not to sort of run off and try and drown myself in the ocean and try and stay a little bit stable and, and there for him um, for those years. So that sort of started before I was 50 and sort of you, you the years just roll in and, and, and keep going and keep going. So then it started to become more of a, uh, I must do this. I, I really must do this before I have to pull my Zimmer frame out 
and um, and not and not be able to get on the water because otherwise you're go- I'm going to end up um, in a retirement home going I wished I'd done and have all the regrets that that everybody tells you that you you end up having. So it became sort of more in the forefront as soon as I sort of hit fifty and went holy crap there's another year gone there's another year gone and I'm still not on the water yet um, and it became more important to me in in the in that in that stage really the last sort of four years before I hit the water it was there forefront of the brain most days going this is the reason why I'm training and then one day soon I'm going to have to tell someone really important like um, a kayaking guru that I want to do it <laughs> and and that's that's when it became I had to be really brave because I was sort of silently training and not telling anybody and then I, I sort of used to go into an Eskimo role with this amazing gentleman um, so that I became more bulletproof in the waves, and one day he's done. He's done a whole lot of exp- expeditions around the North Island. Has all the maps up on the wall, and I sat there with him. And you know, we were having soup one Friday afternoon because I was freezing cold after being in the water for too long. And I said to him, Mike, I actually want to kayak around New Zealand. And he just looked up from his soup bowl and he gave me this really deadpan look. And I still remember, and he went, I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, well, that was a mistake to tell tell him because he's like, thinks I'm absolutely a nutter now. Um, and there was no more conversation about it until the end of the day when I was leaving. He pulled out these two books and he said, read these two books of Paul Caffins, then you'll never want to do it. <laughs> so I sort of flicked through them and read them and took them back a few weeks later um, and said, I've read them. And he said, so do you, you know, okay, and does it put you off? And I said, oh, not really, because the books don't really mean a lot when you're not on the water and the waves and the crashing ocean and everything. Um, you sort of blank it out. So I carried on going every Friday and practicing the rolling with Mike and and then he sort of, think he sort of realized I was a little bit of a crackpot crazy person and I really did want to do this so he sort of set me sort of tasks in a way that were sort of hidden tasks and whenever I achieved them he'd sort of go nod and agree and so it sort of sort of how would I say um became a snowball rolling down the hill I I was I was going um (laughs) and so that would that was from that day onwards, I, I sort of got this group of people around me who I I found really inspiring. Uh, they I worked really well with them um, and asked for their help and their knowledge to get me on the water, really and truly. That's awesome. How hard was it to kind of pluck up the courage to tell Mike initially um, and then once you'd, once you'd told him and kind of things had been going, how hard of it how hard was it to get everyone else around you after that to support you? For me to tell Mike was uh, probably the most one of the most uncomfortable situations I've been in to actually be brave enough to let it let the the story come out of my mouth um, because he was a he is a serious kayaker and I admired the distances he'd done and the stories he told me and I was. I felt like a minnow in in a um a great white in the in a great white sort of presence if you like um that I was just going to be eaten up so it was it was a huge thing to go and say something like that to someone 
and say, you know, this is what I'd really like to do. And um, I'd sort of done a couple of overnighters and, 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 and baby paddles, really, you know, and in the comfort of the Hauraki um, Golf before I'd talked to him. Yeah, so it jump. was a huge, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a, well, it was a big jump and, and just sort of actually telling someone who is a su- superior that you, you want to, you want to go and do it. I, I, yeah, yeah, it was, it, it was huge. It was all right to tell your mates you want to do it because they could just laugh and joke and they, they couldn't paddle anyhow. So <laughs> whenever I went on the water, they thought that that was a huge, huge thing and that I was really brave, you know, paddling from Takapuna to Rangitoto or paddling from Takapuna around Rangitoto, you know, that was huge. But that's still completely different to open ocean kind of um, or, or ocean paddling. Yeah, so it, it was a massive step to tell him I wanted to do it and also a massive step to to let yourself be open to um, far more experienced people's criticism. Mm. Which is, is is a big thing. Uh, I don't know, like for you to tell someone that you wanted to start doing podcasting or talking on a radio, you know, it's it's they'd also look at you as though you're slightly you're slightly nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is that. There's always that fear there of, I think, of that criticism because you're kind of uncertain around the idea yourself you're you're a little bit uncertain in your ability and think oh actually Mm. am I going to be able to do that and I think that's part of for me anyway kind of a lot of what that initial fear of telling people stems from is Mm. uncertainty in myself but it, it kind of as you say once you kind of get it out there um and people yeah sometimes they're gonna sometimes they're gonna give you some some criticism hopefully it's constructive most of the time about yeah go and do this but i think you should do it this way rather than the way that you're going to do it that actually getting getting it out there is often kind of the most challenging one of the most challenging mental tasks for it um, obviously, you've still got the physical task of kayaking around New Zealand, which is pretty pretty challenging as well, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> but was that one of the hardest steps, actually? That that initial, yeah, I need I need some help with this. The initial step was just sharing sharing something with someone that you you ad, ad, admire, um, um, and also knowing probably that they're going to say be going to say exactly what everybody or thinking they're going to say exactly what everybody else around the dinner table has been saying for the past 10 years um and uh, it became more interesting when I was with them and I used to spend you know every Friday with them for probably 18 months learning each other's characters and 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 sort of talking about things and and being being taught by them in a way, and the the, the other thing was that I met up with a, a gentleman who who was create, creating the kayak that I or created the kayaks that I I'm using, and I remember having to go up and see him and have, have my kayak built. And at this stage, he didn't know what I was doing, but Mike had said, "You you know need to share this with this gentleman." So I'm standing in his factory and he's building kayaks, and I said, "Well, actually, this is what I." And I'm like, oh, oh no, I have to tell someone else. I have to tell someone else in the kayaking world this is what I want to do. So I said, oh, you know, this is what I want to do. And I was, I was waiting for this really negative 
comment to come back because that's what you get used to. And he looked up at him and he said, wow, that's fantastic. I'll do cook straight with you. And I was like, oh, someone actually thinks it's a great idea. This is this is novel. And he's become, I call him, he's become a, another mentor. He's, he's fantastic and I, and I love him to death. And he's sort of the mediator, if you like, whenever I'm having a really, really bad time, I can call him up, you know, have I been... Uh, along the way, you know, we he'll say settle petal or, you know, we've got all these crazy sayings. I can always ring him up and if I'm even just about in tears, he'll make me laugh or I can't speak because I'm in tears and in the end I have to laugh and I, I come out the other side. But he he was great and he taught me a whole lot about my paddling technique. And, and then all of a sudden as I started to tell people, the good people came out of the woodwork, came out of the cracks and all the others sort of, sort of disappeared if you like um away you know they didn't they were they sort of sort of scuttled into cracks and they weren't the glowing lights of the others if if that makes sense mm. um yeah so all of a sudden there was a couple of positives which which you know you can hang on to the ladder for a bit longer if you like because you've got a couple of people who agree that you're not completely nuts that's where it started um and I used to paddle with him probably once a month but the rest of the time from everybody, they said you need to paddle on your own because you're going to be on your own. So you have to feel the fear and do everything in all your long sessions on your own. We'll come and see you and paddle with you once in a while, but we won't paddle with you very much at all. Um, so they they were they were tough on me because they said you this is what it's going to be like. So start now. That's really cool. Lynn, I mean, we've we've kind of talked a, a bit about the journey already, but can yep. you can you kind of give us an outline of kind of where you started and what you've kind of gone gone through or gone around so far? Um, where did I start? I started on twenty seventh of October two thousand and fifteen, the day of your birthday, um, and I left Takapuna and I paddled out to Waiheke and I I stopped at Waiheke for the night in a place called Onatangi Beach. The first couple of leagues I'd already paddled a couple of times because I, I just wanted them to be like remote control because it was going to be such a huge few days just emotionally, mentally to get on the water and go, holy crap, I'm not going to turn around and go around this island. I'm going, just keep on going until I finish. I'm not just going to go out to a point and come back. So I paddled on a tangy the first night. The next night I got the next morning I got up and I paddled from there across the first ten first of tens to my uncle's um got a house there and it was Wyona Bay and I stopped there night, which is in um Coromandel Township. And then from there I paddled up the inside of Coromandel and up to a place, Port Jackson. Oh, it's beautiful. And there. then I Yeah, it is beautiful. I stopped at a little dock camp there. And then the next morning, it was a bit of wind, so we didn't go out until the afternoon, and then I went around the top and started my journey down the east coast of the um, the North Island, if you like. And then I did the east coast of the North Island all the way down to Wellington, across the Cook Strait to, to oh, sorry, to Tory Channel. That was on Christmas Eve, and I did Cook Strait, and then I went down the east coast of the South Island, to bluff, um, hunkered down a bluff for a few days and did some reckeys, then scooted out across Fovo Strait and around um, Stewart Island to everybody's um, fright, except for about four people who knew I was going to do it. 
Uh, and then I scooted back into bluff and then I took off um, and then I started doing the bottom of the South Island and then up into Fiordland and top of the South Island, which held on to me for most of the winter. And then I came around Farewell Spit and into back to Tory Channel, whereas we and finished the South Island, uh, then went back over to Wellington um, and left from a place called Tatahi Bay, where I paddled to um, prior to coming across to the or going across the South Island. And I'm just wait, wait, you know, gradually dragging myself up the west coast of the um, South, the North Island now. So just in New Plymouth, came around the the um, where the Cape Cape Egmont um, a few days ago, end of um, September. And I'm sitting in New Plymouth waiting for the winds to die down and the rain and the swells. Yeah, obviously. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty <laughs> impressive. And it's kind of to date, it's sort of coming up on a on a year at the moment. It is. Had you kind of set a time frame that you'd like to get it done in before you started? Well, that's the $50 million question everybody asked me, and they asked me that before I left, and it sort of became a, sort of a tongue-in-cheek. It was like one female, one red kayak, and I went, ah, you know, I'll be away about, you know, 180 days on the water it'd take me, because that's 30K a day mm-hmm. for 180 days, which is about 5,500 kilometres. So that's the only way I could break it down. It's really about being on the paddling on the water for 180 days but everybody assumed and I let them think that I'd just be away for six months so yeah. 180 days is just on six months but it's six months came and went and I went and my time to go back to work was after six months I got six months um, leave from work and I said I was sort of just coming out of the um, fjordlands and I said I can't give up now I, I just want to keep going, so I resigned and um, and and just carried on paddling. So I sort of call myself the paddling, um, the kayaking gypsy now. Mm, yeah, that's a that's a good name. That could be the title of the podcast, actually, the kayaking gypsy. <laughs> um, so you you were kind of thinking that 180 days on the water might get you there. Obviously, with New Zealand as well, is that the the coastal conditions can be quite erratic. Is probably a nice way of putting it. So you can't paddle every day. Have you have you spent 180 days on the water already, or are you still kind no, of no? I haven't. I've that? got I've got days and days left up my sleeve of oh, being yeah. on the water. Um, it took me just on 50 days to do the South Island paddling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me seven days to paddle Stewart Island um, out of 11. And I, I I haven't actually, I think, approximately 35 days or 30 days to come down the west, the east coast of the um, North Island. So that's only 80, 87 days. Oh, you got heaps of time up your sleeve. I've got, I've got heaps of time on the water. You're going to crush that 180-day <laughs> uh, goal that you said, I think. Um <laughs> But I've been off the water quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, which is, is the challenge. Yeah. Let's jump in talking a little bit about that at the moment is because obviously you're kind of, you're f- one of the focuses is on the paddling for this for this trip, but there is there is a lot of days where you, where you can't paddle due to conditions. How do you, how do you stop going 
kind of stir crazy on those days where you think, oh man, I just want to, I just want to paddle, I just want to keep going. The the my support crew are probably the best ones to to describe that. I I'm good when the weather's really bad, and um, we just focus on the fact that well, it's impossible unless you want to actually not come off the water um, to go out there. So we. I'm on a journey, so it's a chance to see New Zealand. It's a chance to meet people and do everything and every hike, walk, track that I can possibly find. So I've just found some most incredible dock um, tracks um, and also walks and hikes and beaches and just down crazy roads, you know. We've got a camper van, so... I've got a luxury of like when I'm not paddling to just turn my back on the ocean and and go go ticky tour and go sightseeing and and we do we I always say to the crew like we're going to go somewhere today we're going to hike somewhere today and 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 we try and do that or if I don't do that and the weather's really bad you know I go to the pools and I I swim we and that's when I found, I found Paul we were doing my support crew and I were doing sprints on the beach because it's a really quick way of, of keeping fit and just keeping my energy levels going. Um, and so the team always join in. Usually I've got younger crew with me and they usually like, uh, far faster on the beach doing sprints than me. <laughs> but we always try and do something and go and see places that I would never ever have seen if I'd just been sitting in, in Auckland, working and you know going on holidays, I just never would have discovered them. Yeah, and I want to I want to talk a little bit more about that exploring. But it sounds like you're kind of moving every day and kind of getting out there and, and yeah, keeping you keeping your body going. Is that purely for fitness, or do you have other reasons that you you need to go and move every day? I um I I have other reasons because I'm always. I, I like to keep fit, so yes, the, the, I need to go out there and do something every day because otherwise if I get in the water and I've been a couch potato, it doesn't actually work that well, so I'm always really mindful of that, but I like to move. My my There are two things in my world that people who know me know make me, how do I say, it would be a nightmare to make me do it. Is once you take me to the movies because I have to sit still for a long time and I'm trapped and that I can't concentrate on the movie. So that's one punishment. If someone really wants to like punish me, they'll take me to the movies and they put me right by a wall so I can't get past everybody else and say, excuse me, excuse me, I need to get out because I can't sit still and I can't focus on that. And secondly, I just think it's it's really great for your mind to get out there in the fresh air and it's good for my mind. And I... I believe, and I've got this saying, and I talked to Paul about it, was the fact that, you know, um, exercise is the best and the easiest type of medicine for anybody who also who's got um, um, depression issues or any kind of issues, just to get out there and, and, and feel the fresh air and, and do something for themselves. So, yeah, it, it's a, it's a, a two-way thing for me, really. I, I don't like sitting still. On the other thing that I find really hard is to read a book. So, so sitting still is not, not something that, that we do a lot of, except when we get, get to the end of the day. Yeah, and I mean, I, I always think that I'm kind of a, a better person when I have been exercising, and it doesn't particularly matter what sort of exercise I'm doing, but if it's outside, it's, uh, 
it is a bonus. Um, and just for the listeners, the the Paul that Lynn and I are talking about is uh, is Paul Petch from Good People Run, um, who we did an episode with, I think, with number number sixteen it was. But you mentioned a conversation that you had with Paul and um, about exercise being great for people kind of dealing with depression issues. Is that something that you've faced yourself? Personally, myself, no. But I've, I've, my, my son um, has has suffered. As I, I think I, we talked earlier about it. And two things here is one that's why I decided to kayak around New Zealand. He was the, the, the crux. He was the, the final. Uh, straw that broke the camel's back, and so I said, okay, that's it. I'm off. I'm going to do this. Um, and secondly, that's why I joined up with Mental Health Foundation because my son was really um, adamant, well, not adamant, he just suggested they were probably one of the better charities that he, he felt that it all lined up with. How would I say, I I just think that, that going out and exercising, and, and personally, when my son and I were working together with his depression, which was also fueled a lot, the youth is also fueled with drugs and alcohol, that spirals into their depression. It's not sometimes it's not just oh I've I'm I've got a mental or I've got a mental illness, I've got depression. It it tends to be fueled by a couple of other items that are helping um make them feel the way they are. So we dealt with that on and off a lot, um, and the highs and lows and everything. And he always was a far better kid when he exercised, when he did yoga, when we were out um, hiking, swimming, anything like that. Um, when he was having a really good time, um, that was when he he had some fresh air in his lungs and his, his brain. Um, and I and I think you, you talk to anybody, um, young or old, if you could just get them outside and go for a walk, whether it's ten minutes or half an hour, that that is a a massive achievement for them. And and I just think it is a, it's a great free medicine for everybody. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And thank you for sharing that as well. How how did you approach and how did you cope with being there for someone with depression? Was was that quite a challenge? It's it is a challenge and and that's why on my website I talk about the fact that I'm doing it for the carers. I'm I'm out here kayaking for Mental Health Foundation as well as for myself. Um, because and it's to bring awareness for the the carers and the lovers and the brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, to the people who are, are silent or and are on a very solo journey because they've got someone in their lives who's suffering from depression. It's a subject and a topic that you find it's not something you bring up at a dinner t- dinner party. Um, because everybody has an opinion and, and one of the best opinions or, or comments you'll always get if, if someone says, you know, oh, oh, well, you know, my son's got depression. Now, and they always have this really, it's like a brainstorm that comes to them and they sort of go to you, now, have you thought of taking him to a therapist? <laughs> and I, and I, 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 and I have to say it with a bit of a laugh because if I had a dollar for every person who said that to me and, and every other, other person I've spoken to around on this trip, we would have enough money for all the therapists in the world because because uh, it's probably the first thing you do. Um, and, and the sad thing is that as a carer, 
you so want to take their depression away from them and you can't because of the, you just don't want them to suffer the way they're suffering. And and you asked me if it was hard for me. Yeah, it was hard for me because I deal with bad times differently to people who deal with how they deal with depression. You know, they, they go very silent and solo and, and I sort of go out there and go, well, to heck with this, I'm going to go out and, I don't know, kayak around New Zealand or bugger that I'm going to go to the gym now for an hour and I'll, I'll feel better after it and for me to try and understand where they're coming from it, it is it's a really hard task um, because you don't think the same as them um, and so you sort of you try and you you try and understand but then you have waves of going no nope, I don't understand them at all anymore and can you just and it's a really bad thing to say. And you talk to all the parents, you sort of go, well, all you want to do is say, the classic, can you please harden up? But you know you're not allowed to say that. And the only person who has to harden up is you as the carer because you're the one carrying their depression, still carrying all of your work environment, if you like, still getting on with day-to-day life, but also carrying around this, this emotion that's not yours that you're trying to learn to deal with if, if that that would probably make sense to someone who's a mum or a father who's dealing with it mm. yeah and I think um, I mean kind of what what you're saying there is that again it, it's so difficult to understand what someone that is experiencing depression is, is going through because the people that that don't experience it really kind of have have no idea but they know the things that kind of work for them to make them feel better and you can I think sometimes you they kind of try and push uh, push those things on on other people um yeah that that are, yeah. are, are struggling with depression but it's not they're not they're not always effective what what works for me and you might not work for for these other people as well and obviously exactly right uh, People yeah. with and depression. The, oh, sorry. Where you go? No, no. They're they're the same, um, probably as as the helpful parents to you as a carer, t- suggesting you go and get therapy, get some, um, you know, therapy for your child. Um, it's the same as you suggesting to someone who has got a, a depression problem. Now, have you thought of going for a walk? You know, it's it's as. Co- is it, it, it feels a little bit condescending because you don't have the answers for them and, and you really wish. You know, I wished I'd had a magic wand and could wave it and say, you know, you know, your mum fixed everything, everything's all okay. But you don't have a magic wand. Um, and, you, and at the end of the day, everybody has to go through the process and work out what is their magic wand themselves. Um, and, and that's a big reality for, for you as a carer or a mum or a dad that, you know, they at the end of the day, um, have to decide or find out what their magic wand is. And, and for you, um, as, as the parent, I sort of, I sort of, I've got this new de- description that sort of came to me many months ago. However close you are to the person who's suffering from a mental illness or any type of illness actually, is it's like a grenade that explodes in your lap. So the closer you are, the more you're damaged by the shrapnel that comes out of the grenade. But other people around you um, are also damaged by that that um, 
the shrapnel that explodes. Not so much, but they everybody gets a little piece of the um of the 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 bomb that goes off, if you like. And and that that's sort of how I describe it now and and it seems to sit well with me and, and people sort of go, Oh yeah, 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 I understand that now. Yeah. So that that's sort of how I describe it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I understand where you're coming from with that one as well. And I I like your kind of magic wand analogy as well about having to having to find their own magic wand and I think actually probably that's not a bad analogy just for life in general is that we need to kind of find out independently what works for us because we're all sort of on our own path and we're we're kind of that fits in for people that have depression as well or people that are dealing with people that have depression is that that's kind of a piece a piece of your kind of whole magic wand that you need to find yeah yeah it is it's as you say, what works for one person doesn't work for the other. It's exactly the same. Any kind of sporting event, any kind of how you work your way around a computer, everybody does it differently. Um, the same as as what works for one person eating wise doesn't work for the next person. Um, everybody, ha- everybody, yeah, has to find their own own thing that works for them. There's no there's no easy answer, um, and there's no yeah, and and life is is you know, it's life isn't always a, a an easy easy road either. And trying to explain that to someone younger than you, um, when they're either not happy with their life or they're extremely happy because they've been um, using drugs and alcohol to make themselves happy, that that it, that's hard also. Hmm. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's probably hard to explain that to younger people, even without that. I mean, if you'd tried to explain that to me when I was 16 I don't know if I would have understood it I don't even know if I would have understood it um sort of even five years ago uh, as well as I do now um and, and I'm I'm exactly the same I I tell me not to do something and I would go into it <laughs> so I was I was no better and uh, it, it's just it's it's wonderful actually getting a little bit older because then you can sort of look back and go you know what actually yeah I can I can see things differently um that that's one joy joy of being older I think um you've had some life experiences and and they're good and bad and they all sort of make you who you are yeah definitely and I'm actually quite excited about all the different stuff that I'm going to learn in the next five years and kind of where I'll where I'll be at thinking wise with with that yeah 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 someone asked me the other day where would I be actually yeah I was asked the other day where would I be where I imagine myself to be in five years time and I and I, I said you know what actually I don't even have aspirations for five years I now break it down into day by day I just I things change so much um, life changes so much in such a quick span of time that I now just go, you know, every day, if it's, if it's a good day, and I and I, that's how I try and look at it. It's just day by day. Mm, yeah, and one thing I've I've been having a little bit of a read on your blog, um, and I really like the the kind of daily my my smiles today. I really like that section that you uh, that you use. <laughs> I I laugh because because I um 
why and how it started was because I was the classic person who used to just actually put my nose in the air and say, don't be so ridiculous. You can't stand in front of a mirror every day and say, I'm really beautiful. You know, positive affirmations every morning. I'm beautiful. I'm going to have a great day. I'm fantastic. I'm gorgeous. And nothing's going to affect me today kind of thing. You know, you know this whole, uh, you know, talk to yourself in the mirror before you go out. It's going to be fine. But when I first took off, it was like, yeah, this is amazing and great. And I think I paddled 16, 18 days in a row. Yeah, it was going magically. I was like cranking it. And and everything was great. Um, but then I sort of got to a sort of stage when we had a couple of days off and I sort of said to Nat, my support crew, yeah, it's not some of these things aren't so great, but I'm going to actually have to find something great about each day because... There is a whole lot of positives out here. And that, me writing those smiles, it's not actually for everybody else, because it's, but a lot of people love them because some people know me really well and know there's a bit of sarcasm in a couple of them. And But but I love writing them because if I had a really bad day, at the end of that blog, and I've had to, like, you know, put my heart on my sleeve a couple of times, I um, I sometimes have to think what actually was really good today and I always find something that was good and it it ends my day really well so the positive affirmations has come to sort of really bite me um, because I now actually do it purposely because I I need to do it um, because some days you know aren't that great you know if I, I have a down paddle and I don't get out on the water I really have to work hard on those days to to keep my mood where I want it to be and also to go back and go, you know what, actually it was actually really cool today because the sun was actually shining. Um, you know, Mother Nature slapped me in the face with a massive great wave. You've got to laugh about it now because I was I was crying a couple of hours ago. But you've got to put a spin on, on life to make, make you smile because otherwise it'll, it, it just drags you down. And, yeah, so the smiles... They they actually have um, become part of my and the the same with the thoughts, you know I, I love thoughts and I love quotes and someone recently said to me, you know I've known you for quite a few years, and can you tell me those quotes are they sort of you? And I said, well you know I read quotes a lot, so yeah I still once in a while I use some words from here and there and. If I use a complete quote, I'll put their name um, that I've, I've used it from. But, yeah, I, I do like them. They're quite thought-provoking. So, yeah, so I've transgressed, really. But so, but the smiles, um, yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. I, I think kind of they, they seem to me a little bit like gratitude as well as kind of things that you're, things that you're smiling about but things that also that, that you're grateful about as well. And actually there's quite a lot of science behind gratitude and actually how, how writing down what you're grateful for or what you're, what you're smiling about, how actually that Im- improves your outlook and improves your, improves your happiness. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's pretty cool. I want to jump back a little bit to the um, to the kayaking lane as well, and just kind of have a little bit of a talk about that. And I'm I'm mindful of the time because uh, I know that you like to get up early as well. So I've got a couple of um, couple of questions for you about the kayaking. First one, probably pretty easy to answer. 
when you were kayaking around Stewart Island, did you see any great white sharks? I didn't. Uh, I didn't okay. even see one fin. Um, I, I thought about it and I asked the fishermen about them and one chuckled and said to me, well, it's not baby seal time, so they've probably all buggered off by now, so you <laughs> should be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I didn't, I, I did think often about it, and normally I'll stop on the water and I'll eat and drink for, you know, 10, 15 minutes on, on my breaks. I didn't do that quite as often around there. I, I've got to say, I didn't fancy having something bump against the kayak mm-hmm. and look down and see something that large, because uh, they are larger than my kayak. So, but no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see any. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 that's it. That's okay. My um, my brother uh, scuba dives down there occasionally, actually, and um, he tells me he's never seen one yet. But it's it's probably only a matter of time. Um, and I don't know if he tells me that just because his mum's usually in the uh, in the same place. Um, but he hasn't he hasn't pulled me aside privately and told me told me any of them. You also mentioned a little bit about kind of facing the fear a wee bit. Um, there, was, there was a bit earlier about kind of getting out there by yourself and facing your fear. Have you had any times on this journey where you've been really, really scared? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yes, I have. And you wouldn't be honest if you said that you weren't. How have I, I faced them? I've, I've taken them as, as a learning um, to an, an and if I don't, I think if you don't learn from Mother Nature, and I, and I say this all the time because it's normally her that's caused me to fear because she's whacked up the weather barometer on me and we've got it wrong or the waves are, are way bigger coming into a beach than I really want them to be. And I've sort of taken a mental note and gone, okay, well, she'll give me one, two lessons maybe and make me feel the fear in the in the back of my throat, and then she'll probably give me a, a hoorah of a great lesson and slap me around the back of the head with the next wave that comes in. Um, so, yeah, I, I have, and I've really tried to learn from them and remind myself that I want to kayak around New Zealand because I love the coastline and I love the ocean. I want to tell a, uh, a wonderful story. I don't want to crash and burn around the coastline and go holy crap, that was another really bad day. Um, I hated it. and Because you can only have so many days where you hate it and you just don't want to go out there anymore. And and, and sometimes I've, I've crashed and burned at a couple of beaches um, on the South Island um, and it's taken me three days of attempts to get out because the waves have been so big. And those are, those are, are tough days because you really have to dig deep to get out there because she's throwing ocean after ocean wave at you and you've got to try and smash your way through them um, and and she'll, she'll throw you out and you get it wrong and you're back on the beach with your kayak and your paddle and yourself in separate locations. So, so yes, I, I've tried to learn to be respectful, hugely respectful of the ocean because she, um, she'll only, she'll take you out at the end of the day, she's far stronger than I am. Um, and I want to enjoy myself. Um, so yeah, there have been, I think, talking about fear and feeling sick, I think the first time I felt sick about going out there was when I crossed Cook Strait. 
Um, it was 2.30 in the morning I set out um, from Macra Beach and I'd always promised everybody that, and myself that I'd have a couple of knowledgeable people with me that would go across the Cook Strait because there's only bad stories and, and, and about the Cook Strait and how fearful you need to be of it. Uh, so I ended up being on my own because it was Christmas Eve and everybody else has got other lives and they couldn't possibly go across, which is fair enough. So I'm there at 2.30 in the morning and thinking, holy crap, this is going to be bad. It, it can't be good um, because no one ever tells a good story about crossing the Cook Strait. And I, we made a plan and we talked because we had great cell phone coverage all the way across. And we talked for three hours and I was told if I got for three hours, then it was still okay to turn and come back if it was really, it was rough out there if the weather forecast was really wrong. Well, I don't think I ate for six because I was so scared it was going to turn bad any moment and it didn't. It was calm, clear (laughs) and a perfect crossing. So, so my fears were wasted really all my energy and fear was wasted I did a navigation error because I was so paranoid that I'd get it wrong and it was fine so it's what 99% of everything you worry about doesn't happen <laughs> it's the mm. time when you're not worried that it comes and it comes and gets you yeah so that that's that's what it was like um where else was I I frightened Oh, a couple of times on the east coast I have been and and definitely on the west coast of the South Island there's some some absolutely beasts of, of beaches down there if you get it wrong. Um, and, and there also is there's a whole lot of tough coastline for me to go on to yet. Mm, yeah. And I, I mean, I think especially when you're dealing with Mother Nature and, and also dealing with the ocean as well, it's having a bit of that fear and having that respect is is quite healthy because if you don't, have that then you can get into a hell of a lot of trouble around some of New Zealand's coastline yes you can yeah I totally totally agree with you um and and I don't want to get into that kind of trouble so I'm solo um so I err on caution um and as all the fishermen have told me all the way along the coastline if in doubt stay out Mm. um so if in doubt you don't want to go out there then don't go um, there'll be another day, there'll be another calm ocean, um, which I continually remind myself of um, all the time. And Lynn, what's the what's the plan from here? So the rest of the west coast of the North Island, spin around Cape Ranger and then home straight? Correct. Yep. Cool. Yep. I have got on my whiteboard in my camper van, because we have whiteboards on all the cupboards that we ride on, I've dared to make a plan, which is quite scary. Um, and I've got 10 more paddling days on the West Coast. Um, and then I have seven paddling days to get home. Awesome. That's that's pretty cool. And hopefully coming into summer and getting a little bit more settled weather, um, you, can, you can do them with some uh, kind of consistent days on the water. That would be great. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm aiming hopefully to, um, I've still got a goal to hit 100 k's in a day. Um, I'm getting close to it, so I, I aim to do that before I get home. Um, and I've got, basically I want to do five paddling days October, November minimum, and seven days in December and then I'll be home. Um, so I've made it as gentle on myself as that because as soon as I set bigger goals, 
then they sort of um, become unobtainable again. So just baby steps day by day. Mm, cool. Lynn, I've got a couple of questions kind of to finish up with that I ask everyone. The first of them is on this on this journey or in life in general, can you tell me about a time that you've failed and what you learnt from it? <sighs> a time when I failed and what I've learnt from it. Um, oh, that's a really tough one. A time when I've failed and I've learnt from it. I... Do you know what? And and this is this is going to go back to the whole depression thing because as a mother, until my son is completely well, you daily think that you've possibly failed at being a mum. Mm-hmm. That's an intense one. Mm, yeah, yeah. Have you been able to come to terms with that at all? Um. Yes, I have. I have come to terms with that because, as I said to you before, about the the magic wand, everybody has to find the ma- their own magic wand. Um, and as a mum, and I, I, I'm quite proud of this now, I sort of say that I've cut the emotional umbilical cord so that he um, he has, is on his own life journey. And I, and I think that's really empowering as a, as a person to be able to be able to say that. So yes, I I have come to terms with that, and and that's a yeah, as I say, that's a really empowering um, time in your life when you're able to say that with quite um, clear confidence and be able to talk talk about it to others as mm. as though you're a third person. Yeah, yeah. Lynn, the next question is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did, and how did you get through it? The last uncomfortable thing I did. How did I get through it? Oh, <laughs> uncomfortable. That's a really hard one again to think on your feet. You've, <laughs> I think you should have given me these questions so I could think about sh- them and have I a really good I usually email people these questions beforehand <laughs> so they can have a little bit of a think about them. Um, an uncomfortable situation and how did I get through it? Do you know what? I think daily I have uncomfortable situations and this is everybody who knows me again will laugh at this my middle name is Marjorie and I have what I call Marjorie moments now Marjorie moments are moments where I feel really shy and really um, uncomfortable about everything and have a huge amount of doubt Um, it's my my non-egotistical side if you like now every day I have moments where I think, oh, I've got to go and talk to this person and I feel really embarrassed when I tell them that I'm kayaking around New Zealand. And then I sort of have to cast Marjorie aside and go, now don't be so ridiculous, overcome your fear, feel your fear, go out there and talk to them. And usually it, the child didn't speak to anybody as a, as a child. I used to hide in my um, toy basket apparently and only through me and myself daily pushing Marjorie aside and going, this is me and this is who I am, I've, I have I challenge myself and get over those fears. Um, yeah, so, yeah, there well, we go. That's that's a fantastic answer on your feet. Hopefully the next one will be um, slightly easier for you, Lynn. It's, um, <laughs> You've got another one for me. There's another one. What's the next <laughs> uncomfortable thing that you're going to do? <laughs> Tomorrow? Um tomorrow no my next uncomfortable thing is 
probably, I was having a massage in New Plymouth the other day, and a really close friend, I haven't, oh, a friend of a friend I hadn't seen in years, and we were talking about what I do and my, my physical fitness and my how my body's holding together, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, you know what? You'd be ideal person to do an Ironman, wouldn't you? He said, you know, maybe 2018 you could do an Ironman. It'd be easy for you. And I've always said I'd never join all of those um, disciplines together. I've done them all. I've done all of those disciplines and more. And I've always said I'll never join them all together. But you know what? He planted a seed and I thought, Mm, maybe that would be that'd be actually okay because it'd only be about I don't know fifteen hours of pain, not yeah. three hundred and thirty days of pain. It's true. That's so, true. Yeah, so I think that might be it. Someone else wants to know if I want to join them and do that horrific rowing race across the uh, Atlantic or something. Um, but I'm not sure I want to be stuck out in a tub that's rolling around an eight-metre swell. No, no. If you do that, I'd definitely be keen to get you back on the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, Lynn, I'm going to throw this out there, actually. With your with your kayaking experience, have you co- thought of the coast-to-coast? I always wanted to do the coast-to-coast. I, pa- I paddled past the starting point. Um, and we did joke at one stage saying that I'd just join up as, with a team and just do a bit of a paddle back out to the coastline, but I was running a little bit late, so I mean, I never managed to do that part of it. I, I, I'd love to do the coast-to-coast. Um, I think it would be a, an amazing um, uh, achievement. I, I'd love to join in and do something. I love um, off-road running, um, and that's what I, I, I really get off, you know, get into when I'm at home, um, like the goat and, and want to do root burn and things like that. So so there'll, there'll be something, but at the moment, I, I've i just sort of got my eyes set on Cape Reanga. Finishing this one off, um, yeah. Yeah, finishing this one off and um, and baby steps. So we'll, we'll, we'll go from there, really and truly, and, and be home for Christmas so I can have a holiday. Cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, for those overseas listeners as well that don't know what the uh, the coast to coast is, it is a race from uh, one side of the South Island of New Zealand to the other side. Uh, you can do it in either one day or two days, and involves a lot of off road running, cycling, and and kayaking, and it's yeah pretty pretty it's intense 70. multi sport event. Yeah, seventy k um, kayak down river. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lynn, yeah. almost done. I got a couple no, more questions fine, for you, fine. but I uh, before I ask you them, I just want to say thanks so much for your for your time talking to me tonight. Um, but also, I want to just say thanks for your your honesty around your experience was uh, experiences with mental health and kind of. Um, sharing some of your story around that, I think, as we kind of talked about before, it's a, it's an area, especially kind of in New Zealand, that's really not talked about that much um, to to its detriment. Um, so I think that it's it's very cool uh, that you're kind of open to to sharing your experiences so that other people can learn from it. Um, and I also want to thank you as well for what you're doing in, in kayaking around New Zealand and obviously there's there's cool stuff that you get to do with it but it's a pretty inspirational journey for everyone else probably I'd say everyone that you meet 
on the journey, but also kind of showing a whole lot of other people that, hey, if you've got this this big goal that other people kind of don't think is achievable, that actually if you put your put your mind to it, you put the effort in and you put the time in, that it's something that you can go out there and do. So yeah, thank you so much for for all of that. Hey, it, it, it's it's a pleasure. I've just well, I talked to someone the other day. I'm just going to say, you know, about the dreams and the goals. My crux was when someone said to me, "It's yes, you can have a dream," but they also said, "What you've got to do is actually ask yourself how much you can or you're willing to sacrifice. Mm, how much yep. are you willing to sacrifice to actually?" And and I think that was the 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 awakening for me. If you really like, because I maybe it's you know, I'm into a bit of physical pain or whatever, but it's it's like, how much are you willing to sacrifice? Not, yes, you can dream, you can sit there and talk about your dream forever, but, you know, um, it's how much you want to sacrifice to actually go and, and achieve that dream. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a really important point as well. So, Lynn, two more questions for you. The first yep. one is really, really easy. If people want to find out more about you or kind of follow along with your journey, where they where can they go? Uh, easiest place is go to my my website and it's redsnzjourney.com uh, and basically if, if they just go to the front page it's got this little thing that says click here and you can see exactly where I am it's a tracker that beeps the whole time when I'm on, bo- on, on the water and if I'm not on the water it's just it's got a little locator red mark saying that I'm sort of at the moment sitting in New Plymouth um, and then when I'm on the water, it beats every 10 minutes and they can see exactly where I'm going. All my stories are there. There's 330 plus days of blogs, which can be quite entertaining, um, pictures, and they also can go to Instagram as well. Cool, cool. I'll put some links for that in the, in the notes for the show as well if people want to uh, yep. go and have a, have a look at that. And Lynn, last question for you. Before you leave us, do you have any uh, advice or life lessons or interesting facts for me and the listeners? I haven't got a life lesson except to just say go out there every day and and enjoy yourself and actually smile or make someone else smile um, because it makes you feel so damn good at the end of the day. Um, And I read a really cool book the other day and it's an old book and it's called Passing Forward or paying forward, um, just giving something to someone else or three other people, which I, I found pretty inspirational um, and I felt an app that I was reading. And I think I think really that's everything. I just ask someone, you know, if they need some help um, during the day um, and care for other people. But I, I think that's about all I have to say, really. Cool. I think you've, you've imparted a huge amount of, a huge amount of knowledge for us today so thanks again oh thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me it's been really enjoyable